All right. Here we go. Hey, everyone. Uh, I am joined today by my friend Vinicius Lima, who is an assistant professor at Grand Valley State University in Michigan, right? Yes, in Allendale, awesome. Michigan, yes. Allendale, Michigan. What part of uh, Michigan is that? It's, it's West Michigan. It's uh, 25 miles west of Grand Rapids. So okay, okay. That cool. situates people a little better. Yeah. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for joining me. I'm, I'm looking mm -hmm. forward to learning more about you. Um, so I'm, I'm talking uh, about folks' backgrounds and sharing this with my design students, with my marketing students. And I'm wondering, just exactly when did you discover that you needed, not wanted, but maybe needed to be uh, a graphic designer uh, and then a uh, design professor? Can you talk a little bit about what your entry points were? To, sure. uh, to, the, to the design field, to the design industry, and then also teaching? Okay, yeah. So um, my story is a little bit um, interesting, I'd say, um, because I, I have a degree in architecture first. That's my, okay. under, my undergraduate training is in architecture, and uh, I... I took a design class then in, in, in architecture school about presentation and like how to make graphics and stuff like that. So, and, and I had this professor there. And so it was just this one class and then it was fine. Then I took another class from her and it was fine. All, all of those electives. And then um, I was moving along with my architecture uh, degree and going then and there and then I was about to graduate uh, and this professor she had moved to the University of Iowa this, this was in Brazil sorry I forgot mm. to say that so my my professor who taught these classes about graphics and stuff she moved to Iowa to to teach design there and uh, and when I was about to graduate she sent me an email saying like well if you ever wish to pursue a master's degree, I can offer you a scholarship and wow. an assistantship if you if you like. Um, so I at first I didn't want to do it. I was like, nah, I think I'm sad. I'm pretty okay. I was I had a I had a job lined up as an architect and everything, but I decided, oh, what the heck. I'd, the worst case scenario, I'll be there for a year, and if I don't like it, I can just come back mm. and restart. So, so I I went and I moved from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, to Iowa, and <laughs> quite the shift, I'm sure. Yes, like, <laughs> I don't know, millions of people to sixty thousand, so <laughs> to a college town, and it was mean. It was and and I enjoyed. I enjoyed every every minute of it essentially um that's when i discovered teaching because the my my scholarship was spending upon me being a teaching assistant so mm -hmm. i would teach students basic design skills and uh other things that i i knew essentially helping the faculty sometimes sometimes on my own um and then over there i would take some classes i took classes in 3D design and graphic design. And then by the time I was graduating my master's, I, uh, the market crashed. 
So, so 2008, 2009? 2008 was my SAT graduation year. Uh, okay. I, I was that cohort of people who were still getting the, I, and then back by then I had decided like, I want to teach. Yeah. So, so I was that cohort of people who were looking for teaching positions, getting uh, some leads and some positions, interviews and everything, and things were being cut because the economy was crashing as we were in front of us. So, mm -hmm. um, so I, I, I ended up staying another year in school from 2000, I stayed as an extra year. And then my university hired me later in 2009 to be a graphic design lecturer. And over there I was in charge, that was the University of Iowa, over there I was in charge of teaching the digital and interactive Mm -hmm. component of their curriculum. So I taught web design pretty actively for about five years. And then my new, the job I currently have opened up in 2013. And I, I applied, it was a more stable position essentially. Mm -hmm. And I've been here since. So now I don't teach just, just web design. I teach essentially the whole spectrum from the beginning yeah. classes to the senior thesis so so yeah it's a little bit cool. different yeah uh so you got your started in architecture and then you yeah. migrated to design and i found that um this is not like an uncommon story i've actually heard of a lot of architecture folks transition not just from architecture to graphic design but from like architecture to product design or architecture to interactive design. It seems like architecture provides a really solid foundational base for the other design disciplines. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think my main, uh, and now I'm, I, I'm trying to work mainly with uh, user experience. So it's when I'm really seeing my architecture experience kind of really showing through mm -hmm. uh, in a way because architecture taught me how to think in systems and how all of these layers come together and how you right. are, you need to make sure that you're like embracing perspectives and needs and all of this so like when I moved that into design it was it's it was pretty much very very helpful mm. and yeah I think I don't regret my architecture training it's it's a grueling degree I mean in Brazil the degree in architecture takes five years wow okay yes I I actually took five and a half because there was there was this one semester at my school that everyone that goes through it recommends us recommended us to split in half because of two really large projects we had to tackle so i did that um and i mean yeah i don't know i tell my students this all the time like they uh i have the story that they usually have to take 15 credits right so i tell them this story that one semester when i was in school i had to take 29. good lord and, oh my and, god and they all look at me it's like they they can't even fathom like yeah it's like yeah it's 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 essentially 10 college courses in a semester and wow yeah that was the full-time degree in brazil so uh yeah i think architecture is i really i still appreciate it a lot i don't practice it as much mm -hmm. uh but i have a 
I have an understanding of space that is pretty uh, different than everyone. I can look at things in three dimensions and I, I can anticipate outcomes and things that will come up. And I have a good eye for planning and organizing and mm -hmm. layering things together and seeing how one decision impact a bunch of others. So I think that was really helpful for me and, and really to top all of that off, the human-centeredness of all of those skills oh, yeah. and perceptions and perspectives. Uh, I mean, because if, if you're teaching interactive design, I mean, you have to be human-centered. You have to, and that is the core of which all of your work, you know, sort of, sort of shoots out you know, for lack of a better phrase. Um, so if, if you're designing interactive assets and they're not human-centered, then they're not entirely effective. Oh, right? no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's like, and I, 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 was, I was remembering that the other day. I remember uh, when I was an architect, we would have to do these projects on like, or renewing areas, like mm -hmm. neighborhoods and stuff revitalization so, effort yeah, yeah yeah so our professors would always ask us to uh interview folks and that was the part we would hate the most because we were all like introverts and shy and, and <laughs> but but like I, it just dawned on me like a few years ago that was like that was exactly what i've been doing now it's like it's user surveys and mm -hmm. Uh, interviewing and understanding context and everything like it didn't that and that was 2002 or something like that so right. 18 years ago yeah but no it, you're right it just uh it, it has to be user-centered especially because people are living in your things right they have to breathe in there they have to be healthy there so that's right. all of these implications that architecture needs to have implications uh i see that as just responsibilities you know uh <laughs> you know that's a lot to account for so yeah. uh, so keeping all this in mind uh you're you're teaching interactive design and you're having to go of it now you're you're expanding out into the whole spectrum of the design sort of discipline in terms of teaching Outside of, so I'm an interactive design teacher too. I, in oh. fact, the entire time I've been teaching 10 plus years, I've always taught interactive design. Uh, now I've had opportunities to do classes on professional practice and then, you know, foundation classes and stuff like that, which have been great. But, you know, my sweet spot is the interactive section, right? Mm -hmm. What kind of classes do you enjoy, te uh, do you enjoy teaching that are not interactive? Mm -hmm. I I enjoy teaching the I enjoy teaching the beginning ones like the okay so like the intro it. classes yeah yeah there's okay. something about those that that is it's interesting to see the students discovering design like they have uh, everyone design is present everywhere right but mm -hmm. everyone has a notion of what design is about, but then when you come, when they come in into a, a design class, uh, they have some revelation that there's a lot more to it than just right. uh, nice looking assets or like 
pretty fonts or stuff like this. There's this whole side. So, so it's interesting to see them like growing from that. And I, I also really enjoyed the end. So when they are like about to graduate and they're working on, I mean, we have this class here that is, it's a senior thesis class and they have to work on a project on their own for the whole semester. And it's, a, mm -hmm. it's essentially like a one-on-one kind of thing. So it's like, it's good to see them, how, how far they've grown, but also like really thinking about different components of their projects. It's not like, how do you do their research? How do you uh, anticipate outcomes? How do business implications kick in? To the project how do you make sure you're considering sustainability and all of these bigger larger questions that some of the design classes you have to go through may not embrace as much like mm -hmm. typography or something you can discuss this but it's it's essentially there are classes when you you have to teach them just like how to make form work right so um so i think that's interesting to see these the evolution in these two, the beginning and the end. So. When, when do you think that, that aha moment hits them? You know, you, you've seen it, I've seen it. Uh, what class does that typically occur in or what kind of project? I mean, or is it the thesis project? It could be a delayed response. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know if there's a class that does it for everyone. Um, I'd say it's somewhere in the middle when they are, I think that at least the way our program is currently set up, the, the first two classes are much more about understanding form and communicating mm -hmm. things visually. So, so, so the, the exercises and the assignments tend to be a little more abstract. Right. Um, so, so that's, uh, so, and then at the end of the second class, there's that little hint of a design, quote unquote, project. Um, so I think there's some, some of them start getting it there. Um, some of them will get, uh, will have their aha moment on their first layout class because mm -hmm. things seem a little more tangible and more uh, tactile and stuff like that experiential but, really yeah 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 but some would even like like you said some only have it when they're about to graduate <laughs> terrifying that's <laughs> yeah. a terrifying prospect oh I my mean, god <laughs> i tell them that is just uh, uh and 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 they they struggle uh, some some of them and they they come to me and say i don't think this is for me and, mm -hmm. and then we have to sit down and discuss and most of the time it's just that they're going through that period of transitioning and then it eventually uh hits them and and that would happen mm. to like that was pretty clear when i was teaching web design only because i was teaching them well i got that period when the designer should code or designer must code right was in place like we didn't have prototyping tools right we, we didn't have figma or sketch or anything like that mm -hmm. so it was like hardcore Dreamweaver and blah, 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 <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so I had that 
problem, that revelation happened in that class, because as soon as we're essentially learning a new language, right? HTML right. and CSS. And they, a lot of them were essentially going with the motions, but then toward the end of the semester, they would start getting, it's like, oh, this is what this yep. is doing. That, re that realization was happening there. Yep. So I don't That's know great. if there's a class exactly, but it happens somewhere in the middle, not in mm -hmm. the beginning. Um, and some are a little later, it happens at the end and it's right. Fine. Yeah, those students that are on the, on the uh, you know, they're about ready to graduate and they just up and decide like, I hate this stuff. I don't ever want to do it again. I, you know, I, I, it breaks my heart, right? I, I think any teacher would say that about their students and whatever discipline, but I usually try to tell them like, stay the course, get your degree. Um, because, you know, statistically, I think more people are going into master's programs and a master's degree is sort of the natural pivot point if you want to enter a new discipline or career track. Mm -hmm. On top of the fact that like uh, one of the things that I love the most about the design discipline is that it is applicable to so many different things. I mean, I've got marketing students with digital art backgrounds. I've got design students that are double majoring in marketing or business or something like that or communications. So it's, it's a really great transitional crossover uh, mm -hmm. set of skills. Um, so I, I, I tell them, stay the course, you'll be fine. Yeah. We're all figuring it out, you know, no big deal. Um, and fortunately- I, think, I mean, if I yeah. can add to please, that a little please. bit. Um, I think design is, is such a blessed career in a way. Not blessed in terms of religion, but it's like the sense of it's, it's the skill set that you develop as a designer is so, interesting like i mean you learn how to visualize information in a way that no one else does like mm -hmm. you learn how to organize content in a way that no one else does you learn how right. you learn a whole new visual grammar you learn uh, how to embrace different perspectives and be inclusive so you like all of these are so like when you when you see these articles about leadership and how to be a good leader and all of this stuff is like this is everything that a designer does like there is mm -hmm. uh, so i i usually tell them i tell my students it's just like they may not in, enjoy the visual side of things as much they may enjoy more of the research and thinking about things and, and and that's fine too that's great and uh they but they all have the ability to be a good thinker and i think yes. once you're a good thinker you can just guide your path and like develop a career out of mm -hmm. this because that absolutely is you can learn i had a student want to uh was an amazing design student she got her degree and then she's like you know what i'm, I'm gonna go into nursing <laughs> right so it's like wow that's a real pivot um but the interesting thing about it is that she went into more of like a, a research-based track or okay. or or data analytics in nursing so it was like a a, a relatively new okay. aspect to the nursing track and she was able to take that design thinking capabilities and apply it to what she was doing so you know uh to your point you know you can really mold and shape that design background into 
new careers. So yeah. while we're on that topic, uh -huh. um, I know this is something that is uh, very much of, of mine to myself, but probably to you as well. We have graduating seniors, right? Mm -hmm. um, and they are entering a very unsure, unstable economy right now. Um, things might get worse before they get better. And for our graduating students, we might be finding like some of them had jobs lined up that, and those jobs are being retracted or yes. prospects are now incredibly slim because uh, job opportunities are being canceled in order to, to keep businesses flush and, you know, uh, sustainable. So uh, can you talk about a little bit about what you're going through and what your students are going through and the advice that you're giving them uh, mm. during this quarantine phase of our lives? Yeah. Um, yeah, our students here are definitely starting to feel that. Uh, they have started applying for their jobs and some of them have had interviews that now became emails saying like, sorry, we can't hire anymore or stuff like that. So mm -hmm. it's been, it's been difficult to handle the, the, in this case, I think this is a very unique case. Uh, it's not even, I don't, I wouldn't say it's even any close to the recession in 2008, uh, because right now it's, it's essentially, we don't know anything right. and we do not know when and how things can get better and we don't even know how much worse they will still get so mm -hmm. um so it's a lot of there's a lot of uncertainty there i i'm telling my students to um i don't know rely on what they know i think that's a that's a good uh like don't sell themselves short Mm -hmm. uh, to rely on what they know, uh, understand that their first job may not be their dream job. Right. Um, but it'll be something that they can uh, keep the day-to-day -day logistics going. So like paying your bills and, sure. uh, and eating and living and all of that. And then uh, continue to work on their portfolios and like, I mean we have a really good system here in Grand Rapids that the public library has a subscription to LinkedIn learning so they can continue mm. learning while they are there uh, don't my, my main advice is like this is hard and it may get harder we still don't mm. know but they sh they have to be a little bit proactive in developing a learning plan and continue to learn, yes. continue yep. making their portfolio because the jobs will come back. We've all seen it. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I mean, in the end, they will come back. They probably will come back even better because right. like the, once everything resumes, like the need for communication and improving experiences and everything, it's going to be so crazy. Mm -hmm. that they will be they will be back in demand again so it's just it's just gonna take a little longer and they just have to keep pushing through and yep. continue developing their portfolio their education um i've, I've shared stuff for them in case they want to 
um, do work for nonprofits or like looking for remote opportunities in, in different fields or even like trying a different internship if they can find one. I don't know. Some, there are some ways, I think revolving around continuing to learn is a good strategy right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I agree with everything that you said. And I've been saying a lot of the same too. You know, we're locked in our houses, we're under quarantine. The best thing and perhaps the only thing you can do is control what you can control. And in yeah. this case, you can control what you're learning, how you're learning, and how you're applying that learning to your portfolio, to your career, to your interests, to your hobbies, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and so with respect to that, it is an exciting time because getting that professional development when you're in your career, it's not, it's there. But a lot of it is the fact that you have to find it on your own. You have to put your own time in. You can't do it during the job. And even in cases like the one I'm in now, uh, my university closed all of our events. I, I have very little to actually market. So this is one rare opportunity where I can spend an eight-hour day doing professional development, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah I, I've definitely been encouraging LinkedIn learning um, and even looking at like certificate programs. Certificate programs are great with respect to, you know, those are folk, people that are taking those may not have gone to graduate school before. So mm -hmm. it's a good way to understand like, oh, this is kind of what graduate school is going to be like. And then okay. they can consider applying to another degree or, you know, um, sky's the limit. Uh, but nevertheless, when, when we come out of this and you have more skills than your competitors, you're going to be in a really great spot oh, yeah. uh, it, for, for jobs. You're going to be an attractive candidate. And I think to your point, when those jobs come back and they will, but when they do, they will be better jobs because the market will have changed. The economy has changed. There will be uh, specific skill sets that will be required that weren't before. So earlier when you said like you entered teaching web design when every designer knew how to code, I don't think it'll be like that at all. Um, and you know, at a time for a good number of years, I had been practicing that like you got to learn how to code. You may not be using it in your job, but you have to speak the language yes. to make, to make the work easier for your development team and everything. Um, mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised, you know, coming out of this, if there's going to be more of an emphasis on uh, human-centered, user-centered app prototyping, uh, design-specific research, being more informed, more capable, and more curious designers. Um, you know, I think print design will always be around. So let me preface that for the printers and the <laughs> internet there. I love printing and I hope it never goes away, but I think one thing that this quarantine is proving is that uh, we can rely on it less and still get our messaging across mm -hmm. um, to an extent. So there will be more of an emphasis on hiring interactive designers. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's definitely um, once digital like, I think there will be a bigger shift on how to make 
uh, the digital experience as close to the physical as possible. Mm -hmm. So that's when the interactive designers will really be working, I would say. And, yeah. um, and like you said, I think we will change, we will be different and like the industry will respond in a different way. So like, like you, I think print will still be there. And I think that's still, that's still, and it's great that it still is, but we have been seeing the shift on, the shift to more digital experiences than print. It's, this is a, there's data around that. So um, I don't know if now will be the time when the shift will really be abrupt and drastic and it's really gonna be the thing, but, but we will definitely see some change. I think that is, um, there's, there's opportunity there to really make these experiences a little better. I think we're all gonna learn also uh, from this. There's also a huge opportunity to learn from this in regards to education and teaching yeah. practice, right? I think like we can, now we're really, I think we're really trying to see, uh, we got, we're really trying to learn to get, I mean, mm -hmm. myself as an instructor, I, I don't teach online classes. So I am learning with my students on what actually works. In Has this that been thing. a hard shift for you, by the way? Or uh, how's the transition been? In uh, some things it has, it's, uh, uh, I, it, it's making me realize how much I rely on the classroom as a communication space. So like I can talk to them in person, 101. Mm -hmm. uh, we have the physical experience of like, I can just go there and say, point at something and say like, this is, this here is working or, this year is not really there. Uh, but when you're in an online setting, it almost seems like you have to, to me, it feels like I have to provide a lot more guidance and in, in written form mm -hmm. because my message is not as, like the interpretation, there's a little bit more cognitive load, I think, to understand right. uh, what I mean in certain, in certain aspects. Mm -hmm. um, it's been a little difficult with the, with classes that have more like this class I was talking about, the senior thesis one, because um, we are dealing with a group of students who are really struggling to find their future now. So, right. so it's, and it's fine. They have to have their, I, I'm giving them their time to reflect on what they're gonna be doing and their practice from now on. They need this time because it's not just about pushing through work when there's a pandemic outside right. and everything else is, is going. So like, but that class out of the three that I usually teach, that class is probably the most challenging one to control at this point because it, it was so loose before and on, with online education because of all of this like it's a little hard to manage feedback and right. uh, deadlines and stuff like that. So, and you know, to that point, I, so morale is at pretty much at an all time low. Uh, I think that, that faculty and, and students and staff are basically like, this is a wash <laughs> this whole semester, the mm -hmm. latter half of it, at least it's just a total wash. Let's just 
limp along and get through it. And so like the universities I work with, they've basically reflected that uh, in the decisions that they make, which I think is a good thing. So at least at Pitt and Point Park, they've decided that if students get a passing grade, they can choose to get uh, a pass grade or no credit. So either situation won't affect their GPA. So say, for example, you're an honor student and you got coronavirus um, mm-hmm. and somehow miraculously like you got through it and you still passed the class or, you know, even if you didn't get the illness and like you just, your morale was in the, in the toilet, like you don't want that class to affect your GPA. So fortunately there are measures in place like that that are almost fail safes, which is good. Mm-hmm. But I, I, when I first heard that, I'm like, oh this is a this is product management so basically the universities the universities are saying our product is taking a hit those that deliver our product are taking a hit we can't expect to deliver a high quality product to you at this point mm-hmm. so thusly the the pass or no credit option which is good because the student morale is is bad and i don't blame the students at all uh i don't think anyone's in a really happy place at the moment um yeah my my philosophy on this is like it's kind of a wash we got to get through it as best we can the the most that i can do so like for example my pit class it's all practice based right now. Mm -hmm. So we have a client, we're designing a logo for a municipality, a whole logo system and brand campaign. And Mm -hmm. they were the students, the the carrot at the end of the stick was you get to present this to the mayor and his staff and there's a winner. And then there may be an internship that results from it. And in fact, an internship is available to these students. And now uh, I pulled the class and I said, all right, we have some options. We can do a Zoom-based presentation, but some of you are in different states. Some of you are in different countries. I have a student who's back in Barcelona. I don't know how the heck I'm supposed to make that happen, right? Wow. (laughs) Uh, So we could do Zoom-based call presentations, or you could just turn in a pitch document and we call it a day and then they choose one and you get your bragging rights and that's it. So uh the students were just like we would love to do the presentations but considering the the cultural diversity of the student body at least in this class and the the geographic locations it's just impractical Mm. so uh as a result i just said you know turn in a report and a pitch document we'll send it to them and that's fine so i let the students inform me on what they were comfortable with and Mm. in doing so i think they felt like they were heard and as a consequence of that empowered uh to 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 move forward on the project so it's trying to keep their morale going a little bit yeah um and then i'm just trying to ground everything in as much practical uh teaching as i can so it's like all right you know i want to spend time on ideologies and platitudes and philosophies behind marketing and business and design but frankly, you people are graduating and you don't have any patience for it. I wouldn't have patience for it. So here, we're, we're going to do these calls and I'm going to give you grounded practical advice as much as I can because at the end of the day, you have to take care of yourself physically and mentally, uh, especially now when you're locked in your house and um, there are bigger things going on than yeah. 
you know, learning something you might not apply. Yeah, I usually, I mean, I, I used to joke with my students sometimes before the pandemic that I would always tell them that design, design is great. I love design, uh, but design is not brain surgery. So no one will have, no one would actually, like the implications around design can be drastic depending on the project, but most of the time, not exactly. So, So when life gets in the way, it's really important to make sure that we take care of our lives first because deep down, if our lives are in, in a good space, design does not exist and there's no need for design to exist. So right. uh, I think it, it, like it depends on a lot of, um, a lot of that, a lot of them taking care of themselves. I did like your, your approach to like, giving them a little bit more decision power over things over Mm -hmm. here. We, we have, we have a similar system, like the students could request to have a class be to just get the credit versus the grade and all of that stuff. Uh, But, and we did discuss a few opportunities about the, the projects that are the, the senior thesis and stuff like this. We're still actually grappling with this and seeing, what's the best way to celebrate their accomplishments and everything and give them something. Uh, And in a way, there's also, I think, um, I don't want to sound presumption saying this, but it seems like giving them something that kind of brings a small level of normalcy to their lives at this point Mm -hmm. can sometimes be helpful. Like, I don't know if it's like sometimes having someone that they can talk to and discuss things that are non related to others. Right. Like they, it can be a, a way for them to cope with everything else. So like knowing that they have a class, um, the class is there and they can work on their own pace. Uh, that's something I mean I've I've seen some students saying like they that this has happened and this has helped them knowing that they have class to keep going right. uh, and coping well as I've seen the opposite as well I've seen most of them like are saying like we can't really I, we're not really functioning at this point and I'll mm. be honest I'm I, I told them I wasn't very functional either i mean there's a lot right. a lot to process um, mm-hmm. and when there's a lot of that to process psychologically and physically and everything else design will take a hit and we will we will acknowledge that and we'll yep. get better we will improve when we can that's right yeah. well you know i can't think of a, a better way to end on that note okay. but I would be remiss if I did not ask this. Um, So for our students that are graduating, they have to have their portfolios ready. I think there's more of a premium emphasis on, or priority emphasis, excuse me, on digital portfolios now. Can you kind of give me your 101 on the best, uh, on what you believe is the best portfolio uh, execution, print and digital? Okay. 
Um, sure. I, I like seeing the portfolios that tell me the story of everything. So it's not just your personal story, but it's also the story of each assignment. Um, I don't mean a lot of writing in this case. I know some students may find that as, uh, as a, they, they, they may struggle with writing. Uh, but, but a project that's very well documented. Uh, I mean, I'm a, I'm a very, I, I kind of, I'm a very nosy person. So I like to know everything. Uh, so when I look at someone else's portfolio, I, I want to know, like, why did you choose this? Why mm. is this the solution? Like, what were you trying to do here? I mean, I know there's a lot of uh, portfolios that thrive on their looks and things look great and they're polished and everything. But sometimes not knowing the thinking and the background for things just gives me no substance whatsoever. Right. So, I mean, we can all like nowadays the software is so powerful that everyone can whip up a pretty decent graphic, but the, the thinking behind it, the software doesn't have, it has to be you. That's right. So, and the only way to translate that thinking is through your portfolio. So it's how you document it. It's how you talk about the work. It's how you present the constraints and, if you have metrics and all of this stuff. And so my advice would always be to uh, walk through each project, beginning, middle, and end, instead of just the end. So mm -hmm. like, if, even if it's just a poster, like you explain, um, like what was the prompt of the poster? What was the main message? What was your overall concept? And then, right how did it become a poster thing instead of just here's a poster it looks really cool <laughs> so yeah um i think that would be one thing uh, to consider i would also try to look at the best way possible to document your working context so if if it's a print piece like make sure that you have photographs of people actually interacting with it uh, if you have a digital piece, perhaps recording your screen moving along the website or making mm -hmm. small animations showing how the motion actually works. Um, if you have, let's see, branding work, make sure you're talking about the, the research. Like you, you probably did some strategy level thinking. So like, what is, what's the background? Like where, who are the, the audience for this? Like what are some of its competitors that you're foreseeing and all of mm -hmm. this? Because this all informs design and it's not just about their looks. In regard, I think a website um, in terms of that for a good website, I would just, I'm always, I mean, I'm, I think everyone agrees on that. Like the cleanest the website, the better. Right. Make your work shine and make yourself shine. Um, the portfolio too. Some people are more strict about printed portfolios than they want everything to look very similar. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily, I almost like try to approach my students' portfolios as if it's like a mini case study of everything. Yep. So, 
So yeah, so I don't have a preference between print and digital myself. I do see the ease and the convenience of a digital portfolio. I mean, I can look at somebody else's portfolio on my phone mm -hmm. and make the decision there. Uh, but in some cases, it doesn't really, uh, the digital doesn't allow itself to. Like some works are so tactile and everything that you've got to have a printed book you know, yeah. to show. So. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much. Uh, sure. You're, you, you, I mean, you hit so many points, I mean, accurately. Uh, and, and I really appreciate your, your time and insight. And um, hopefully uh, we'll do this again uh, yeah. sometime soon. And Absolutely. especially we'll check in after, after graduation to see how things are panning out. If they yes. are, we still might be on lockdown. But um, <laughs> hang in that. there, yeah, stay safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you.